Well, hopefully it's been warm enough for you. If not, we can turn up the heat in here. No? You guys like the AC? All right. We'll leave it on then. Well, good morning. I hope you had a great uh, 4th of July weekend. Some of you had some extended time off this week. I have hoped you enjoyed celebrating. Uh, luckily, our neighbors ran out of fireworks about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday morning. So we, it's been a quiet, quiet week in our neighborhood, thank goodness. Uh, I want to continue on with what Pastor Zach started last week, talking about freedom. And I just want to kind of build on the foundation that he set about freedom. And so I've called this living your freedom. You see, it's one thing to be free, but it's something totally different to live in that freedom. Amen? Could you imagine our forefathers, founding fathers of our nation, do all that they do, sign the declaration, fight battles, etc., etc., and then go back and just live the way that they had lived before? Sent taxes back over to England. You know, we're just going to do what, what, that, what that king calls us to do. It wouldn't make any sense to go through all the things that they went through to secure that freedom and not live in it. Amen? So Pastor Zach last week talked about freedom that we receive in Christ. He talked about what we are freed from. And many of us have been freed from, from terrible, terrible things. Who we were freed by. By Christ. And why were we freed? And I want to build on that today. Why were we freed? You see, it says that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not to be back into that old bondage that He freed us from, but to live a different way. Amen? Makes no sense to be freed to go right back into those same things that you were freed from. Could you imagine? You're in jail, life sentence, you get a get out of jail free card. For those that have played Monopoly once in their life, know what I'm talking about, right? You get out of prison, you're walking through, and then you do something silly on the way out to get put back into jail again. That's what we do in our walk with Christ sometimes. We become free, and yet we fall right back into those old things. And I think God has better plans for us than that, amen? So I want to ask you today, how will you use your freedom that you've been given for the kingdom? Here's what 1 Peter 2 says. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. You see, you are set free to become a bondservant of God. To do something amazing for His kingdom. And only you can do it. You know, we've talked about spiritual gifts in the past. And you have a gift that no one else has. Therefore, you have a piece in this puzzle that no one else has. And you've got to live and walk in that freedom to do something amazing for His kingdom. You see, freedom can mean many things to different people. You know, I, I like to ride my motorcycle. And us motorcyclists, man, we're, we think we're so free on our motorcycle. Or maybe yours is hiking. We know some people like to go hiking. Maybe yours is fishing. Uh, maybe yours is racing cars. Everybody has their thing that, that they think that they do to make them free, right? That's not freedom. 
Church, that is not freedom. Being free in Christ is freedom, amen? And so we're free to have a relationship with our Creator. Something that we could not have when we were not free. Why? Because we were His enemy. We were separated from Him. And now that freedom allows us to have a relationship with Him. Not a set of do's and don'ts. Not a list of Old Testament laws and commandments to follow. Rituals set forth in the Old Testament. It's about living in your freedom. So I want to ask you again, what are you going to do for the kingdom now that you're free? Amen? You know, you were created for something great. Something amazing. Something greater than you could ever imagine. God created you for that. His plans, His purposes, and His pursuits for your life, the plans that He has, are so much better than any plan that you could ever put together on your own. And I know, and I've said this before, we make up some great plans. Ask my wife. I've made up some great plans in our 33 and a half years together. Some amazing plans that don't work out. Amen? But he has plans for us that will work out if we work them. Amen? So, here's what you were made to do. We've talked about this before. You're made to reach up. Reach up to God in this new freedom. You're made to reach in with love for others in your new freedom. You're made to reach out to a world that needs to hear about Christ with this new freedom. Don't keep that new freedom in a box. Let people see it. You know, being free in Christ allows you to live a new life. A new life in him one that you could not live before one where we love god and love others that's what pastor zach talked about last week so here's the verses that we're going to be using for today second corinthians chapter five if you've got your bible second corinthians chapter five or whatever your favorite delivery system is second corinthians chapter five verse 17 through 21 here's what it says an amazing amazing set of verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Did you know when you became a believer and you were in Christ, you are a brand new creation. You can't blame the past anymore. I tried to blame my past when I first became a, a believer. Hey, Kelly, you know, I've got a temper, but it's because I'm Irish. I can't help it. It's, it's why I have a temper. It's why I drink too much. It's because I'm Irish, right? I try to blame those things. My pastor's like, you are a new creation. New creations act differently than the old creation. Anybody ever, I don't know if you know this, but I like cars. Anybody ever bought a new car? You know why you get rid of your old car? Because it does weird things and you don't want it to do weird things anymore. Sometimes it doesn't start. Sometimes the AC goes out, right? This knob doesn't work and that knob doesn't work. And you go and get something new. And you assume all those new knobs work now, amen? It should smell a little different than your old car, I hope. Right? Well, you're a new creation in Christ. Therefore, those old things are passed away. They're not 
bogging you down anymore. You get to live a new life in Him. Here's what it goes on to say. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm looking at some new creations in here, amen? amen. No matter what age you are, you may be my age or above or my age or below, you may say, man, I don't, I don't feel new. You're new, amen? You're new in Christ. Here's what it goes on to say. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, underline this, the ministry of reconciliation. God has given you something amazing to do for his kingdom. It is called the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Thank goodness, amen? Man, that wasn't a big enough amen. I guess you guys didn't trespass like I did. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And we're going to talk about that. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. We beg you. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gift. That is the freedom that you have now, church. You see, the work of reconciliation is the end of an estrangement between God and his people. And he worked that out for us. We couldn't work it out. I mean, we can try to work it out by doing all these really nice things, helping old ladies across the street, right? mowing your neighbor's lawn, whatever it is that you think is going to cover the gap, it's not enough. The gap is not enough. Our trespasses are too big to fill in the gap. You see that estrangement caused by original sin between God and humanity. The result of our salvation in Christ, the restoration of right fellowship between us and the Father and our adoption as his children. You have been adopted into a new family. Whatever family you grew up with or are growing up with, you've been adopted into a new family. There's a joke, I used to say this all the time, I think I was switched at birth because I was supposed to go home with the rich family. And I didn't end up with that family. I ended up with not the rich family, right? Well, let me tell you something. Now I've been adopted into, adopted into a new family, amen? A new family. Act like it, church. Act like you've been adopted into a new family. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about reconciliation. Let me give you a couple of verses. He said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
well, wait a second, I thought sacrifice, I mean, that's all in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I thought that was pretty important. He would prefer obedience over sacrifice, amen? That's what he told King Saul. He's like, King Saul, you can sacrifice all you want, but if you're not obedient to what God wants you to do, you have missed the mark. And Christ says, I want you to be obedient and be reconciled to your brothers and sisters before you bring your offering because your offering it means nothing when you do that, amen? He also talked about being reconciled to God. Here's what he said. When Christ was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, those things that they're doing, they don't fully understand. Don't hold it against them. I'm going to do what it takes to reconcile them to you, back into your kingdom. And that's where we get John 3.16 from. For God so loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's like, I've, I'm doing everything that I can to reconcile you back into my kingdom. See, Jesus is that agent of reconciliation. We can only be reconciled to God through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. That's the only way that we can be reconciled. So let's talk about, first one is, you've got to be reconciled to God. No matter where you're at in your, in your life, you have to be reconciled to God. Do you know we long for reconciliation? You know why? Because God has put that deep, deep inside of our hearts. And when sin entered the world, that reconciliation was broken. That relationship was broken. And there was conflict. Anybody ever live in conflict? It's hard to get reconciled when there's conflict. I've lived in conflict. I mean, I have two younger brothers. Right? You know, they didn't talk to each other for almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. Now, if you know anything about the older, about the three children syndrome, right? The oldest, the middle, and the youngest. I'm the oldest. <laughs> Sorry, brothers, I'm the oldest. Uh, then we've got the middle and the youngest. And those two did not talk for 10 years. 10 years. And I got to come between them, talk to one for a little bit, talk to the other one for a little bit, talk to that one for a little bit, talk to that one for a little bit, till I got them together. Just, I'm just like, hey, you know, I was talking to, I was talking to Keith, and he's, ha he's having a Thanksgiving thing at his house. You should go. He's like, go to Keith's house? Yeah, we're all going to meet there. We're going to do Thanksgiving. He's like, okay, so then I call Keith. Hey, Keith, I was talking to Steve. He was saying something about coming to your house for Thanksgiving. He was? Are you kidding me? Keith, Stevie wants to come to my house for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think it'd be great. We should do it. Okay, I'm not saying that I'm not sneaky. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do, amen? So when it comes to those kind of relationships, if you've ever been in the middle of those, you know what, it, what it's like to try, to try to reconcile people together. But when it comes to God's side, who's perfect and holy, just, the judge of the world, he doesn't have to give a little, 
like we do. So he had to figure out a way to reconcile us, and that was Christ. See, he figured out a way without giving up his holiness and his righteousness to reconcile men to himself by sending his son. And that's why I say, be reconciled. God has done all the work for you. Here's what Romans chapter 5 says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners. Not working on the relationship at all. Probably running from the relationship. Amen? Christ died for us. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, his death and burial, paying the price for them, and then his life, how much more life shall we have now that we've been reconciled through his life? See, Jesus satisfied God's requirements for reconciliation. But each person must receive the terms of reconciliation. It's not on your terms. When I was in the middle of my brothers, I could, I could kind of work it out a little here and work it out a little here and, and kind of figure out those terms. But listen, reconciliation with God, it's not on our terms. It's on his terms, Amen. See, God has a perfect plan for you, a better plan than the plan you have for yourself if you become reconciled to him. So, since God sent Christ as the solution of the world's problems, and he came to restore peace by reconciling all of creation to himself, here's what Colossians says. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him be reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The scripture says that God was reconciling to himself all things through Christ. Church, be reconciled to God. Wherever you are in this journey, be reconciled to God. Because you have a part to play in his kingdom. Now let me tell you this. When you get that reconciliation deep down in your heart, it causes three things. Number one, it causes a change in devotion. Changes who you're devoted to. I know before I gave my life to Christ, I was devoted to a lot of things that were not godly. Amen? And when we give our life to Christ, it changes who we are devoted to and who our devotion is to. The second thing is, it causes a change in behavior. The friends I used to hang out with, I didn't want to hang out with anymore. And they knew it, because I just stopped showing up. And they figured it out. I got to change the behavior that I never thought that I could change, because I'm Irish. That's what I blamed it on all the time. Amen. And you blame your actions on something as well. I was raised this way, you don't know this, you don't know what I've been through. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Act like it, amen? The last thing is, they, there's a change in destiny. God changes your destiny 
when you're reconciled to him. Whatever that destiny road you were on, which wasn't good, it's called the wide road. He narrows it for his plans for your life. Amen? So now that you've been reconciled, what does that mean? It means the second part. Now you have the ministry of reconciliation. You get to go and give the good news. Because you've been through the process and you understand how it's changed you, now you can tell others about being reconciled to God. That's your ministry. Now you may have, get to do other things, have different spiritual gifts, but let me tell you something. You get to go tell people about the goodness that God has shown forth to you. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation. You see, once our relationship with God has been restored, we're called into his service. And God has commissioned each of us to share with others his message of love and peace. Remember what that verse said? Paul said, we implore you, be reconciled to God. That is now your ministry. No matter where you go, your work, the grocery stores, school if you're still in school, friends, whoever you have a relationship. Pastor Derek calls it your oikos, that circle of influence that you have. Now you get to tell them about reconciliation because only you can tell them because only you have interest into life. I don't. No different than my friends that you don't have interest into their lives. Here's what it says in second, uh, the second part of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in, seven, in 18. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's called you to go. He's called you to go, not to stay. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus didn't say, now stay. He says, go. Go out there and tell them about the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Teaching them, baptizing them, loving on them, caring for them. You see, to move people toward a reconciled relationship with God may seem like a daunting task. It is a huge task. But do you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One person at a time. Someone that you have entrance into their life. Speak into their life. Amen? Especially in our postmodern culture that exalts moral relativism and disdains absolute truth. It disdains absolute truth. It's ridiculous, the things that I see on the news, things that I see on social media. No one wants there to be truth. Well, if your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, how do we ever hit a mark? And what if my truth says your truth is wrong? Is my truth right? And now you're... You see how muddied the waters can get? There has to be an absolute truth. Here's what Paul told the Corinthians. We must open wide our hearts, allowing God's compelling love 
to flow through us to others. We've got to open ourselves up and let that love that God poured into us come out of us and pour onto others. Amen? That is your new ministry. That's what you're called to do. You're called to become an ambassador for Christ. I started reading about ambassadors. You know, culturally, an ambassador was a person of high esteem, charged with delivering or receiving a message. Here's what it says in Matthew, or sorry, in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You are now an ambassador. And you know how ambassadors live? They live differently. Ambassadors live differently. There's like a nobility in being an ambassador. Here's what I wrote down. Still has a nobility about it when we hear about someone being an ambassador of a country. It has the ring of dignity about it. It conveys a great deal. An ambassador represents his government in all of its character and all of its dignity, in all of its philosophy. An ambassador speaks wholly for his ruler. He is his ruler's mouthpiece. So I want to stop right there and say, what's coming out your mouth? As an ambassador for Christ, what's coming out your mouth? Amen? He never utters his own thoughts. He never offers promises, demands his own things, but rather those things of his kingdom. And certainly an ambassador's person and character and virtue lend weight to the authenticity and dignity of his kingdom. So an ambassador then is a messenger. An ambassador is a representative. His message, his authority are given to him by his king. You are an ambassador for your king, Christ Jesus. How's that going? How, how are you doing in that? I know this is tough this morning, but you're an ambassador for an amazing, an amazing kingdom. Act like it. Here's what I wrote down. An ambassador is in a foreign land. Every time I watch the news, I realized I am in a foreign land. Amen? This was not the land I grew up in. He spends his life with those who are strange to him. Amen? He has to speak a different language sometimes to get through to the people. He has to interface with a different culture. He has to bear a different lifestyle. He has to endure different traditions. He lives in a foreign world. And in that foreign world, he represents his own king, his own monarch, his own kingdom, and he brings the message of his sovereign. Pretty graphic terms. But I want you to understand your calling. You are called to be an ambassador. 
an ambassador for Christ Jesus. You see, we're in an alien world. We're an ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. We belong to another dimension. We've been called into the role of ambassador to tell people of this perishing world so that they can be reconciled to the king of our kingdom who desires to make them subjects of his eternal kingdom of glory. So how, how do we pursue this ministry of reconciliation and being an ambassador? The first one is we get to evangelize. You've got to go and speak the message. Now, does that mean knocking on doors? I don't know. Maybe that's what God tells you to do. Does that mean cleaning up parks? Maybe it does. It means helping your neighbors? Maybe it does. Whatever it is, go do it. Pastor Derek talks all the time about telling your story. You want to do the greatest evangelism you can ever do? Tell your story. Because some of your stories are amazing. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story. Grew up in, grew up in a church family. Never missed church. Planned on going to a Christian college. Uh, Bartlesville Wesleyan. I was going to play baseball there. My senior year uh, at Doherty High School, they decided to cancel their baseball program. And that was the plan. And let me tell you what plan B was. There was no plan B. Amen? So I'm like, God, what is, what's the problem? So I got a little upset with God, right? Uh, didn't go to that college. Went to a different college because I wanted to play baseball because I was going to make it to the pros. Just ask anybody, especially me, right? <laughs> Uh, got on a wayward path, not going to a Christian college. Uh, ended up getting married very, very early in life, right? Having some children, doing those things. Not living the life that God had called me to live, that I knew that he wanted me to live. Was working a job in a warehouse, and this guy shows up. Uh, I was trying to get from, from second shift on to first shift because the college classes that I wanted to take, um, an engineering class I wanted to take, you could only take at a certain, on certain days at certain times. And I couldn't get off that shift. My boss said, well, if you can get someone to switch shifts with you, and I went from zero to ballistic, because I knew no one was going to switch. No one was going to switch shift with me uh, without somebody ordering them to do so. So I almost got fired, because I used some language that I do not use anymore. Uh, and I didn't get fired. God watched out for me. Uh, and this guy shows up on our shift, and he was a Bible thumper. Carried his Bible every day to work. He talked about Jesus. He did all this stuff. And he would sit down and interrupt my lunch when I'd be eating lunch and try to tell me about Jesus. And I'm like, I already know all about Jesus. I've read the Bible, blah, 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 right? Uh, and he led me to the Lord. Amen. And had, had those things not happened in my life, I would not be where I am today. And that's just part of my story. But let me tell you something. Tell your story. When Kelly and I started going back to church, she did not grow up in church. Uh, I did. And I came home from work. And I used to get home like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I woke her up. I'm like, hey, I want to go to church on Sunday. And she's like, okay. Sure. Can we go to sleep now? 
and I was drinking pretty heavily at that time. Uh, that was what I was really good at, baseball and drinking. And uh, within about three or four months, done. That's my story. Share your story with someone. You want to evangelize? Tell your story. You know why? Because you can argue over politics. You can argue over this and over that. But let me tell you something. No one can take away my story. Amen? Amen. We can, you can argue with me till you're blue in the face. But no one can take away my story. So tell your story. Amen? First thing you've got to do. Tell your story. Let me show you two spots where Jesus told people to tell their stories. Anybody ever heard of the uh, man that was filled with all the demons? Their name was Legion because they were many. So Jesus comes on the scene. Nobody could hold him. They couldn't tie him down, right? He lived out in the tombs. Jesus curses them, sends them to the pigs. They run down the hill. We all know the story, right? But let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 8. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. Begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, go tell your story. Amen? How about the woman at the well? I mean, we know the story. Draw up water. If you knew who the gift that you were speaking to, he'd give you water and you'd never thirst again. We know that story. Here's what he told the woman at the well. John chapter 4. So the woman left her jar, water jar, and went away into town. Okay, you know she was only there for one thing, to get water. She went back into town. She left what her primary purpose was. She came out to get water, and she left her water there. Here's what it says. Went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And it says, they went out of the town and came to him. She told her story. You want to evangelize your friends? Tell your story. Because your story will not only change, not only change your life, but it will change their life as well. Amen? Number two, boast in Christ. I want to tell you something. There are no self-made men in this room, and I know you all, so I can say that out loud. You may think you're a self-made man, but let me tell you something, no different than my life, God has moved the pieces right exactly where they need to be so that you can be the man or woman of God that you are. So if someone compliments you on the way you handle a situation, glorify God by explaining you sought his guidance in the matter. And as we point out God's work in our lives, the evidence of his grace, forgiveness, faithfulness, and attentiveness to us can create a hunger in other people's hearts for such a relationship. Boast about what God's doing in your life. Here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man 
boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Romans chapter 15. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to boast in what pertains to God. Don't boast about how great you are, because it ain't that great. Amen? Boast about what God's doing in your life. It will make people think, hmm, what's going on here? Something amazing is going on in his life, because he's not this good. And God's doing something great. Number three, serve others. Service to others allows doors of ministries to open to other people. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not unto his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Serve others. It will make people ask questions. I like to pull weeds. It's a weird thing. Even when I go on walks, I start pulling weeds. So I just end up at my neighbor's house, houses pulling weeds in the rocks in front of their house. and it, They come out. And we have conversations about life, about their kids, about what's going on in their life. It opens up opportunities. Serve others. Here's what Dr. Michelle Bergson writes. Modern society has made an industry out of self-fulfillment and self-help for everything from dieting to reaching one's greatest potential. The focus of a Christian should instead be on knowing and loving God and from that relationship, serving others according to the example Jesus provided. You're an ambassador for a kingdom. Follow your king, amen? Here's what Colossians chapter 3 says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you're serving others, you're not serving yourself or them. You're actually serving the kingdom that you're part of. Amen? All right, last but not least. Loving others as Christ loved us. As ministers of reconciliation, we can model the same love we experience from our Heavenly Father to those unfamiliar with His life-giving grace. Just be a model. Just be a model of what God has done in your life. The love that he has shown you, show to other people. John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Not this is my suggestion. This is my commandment. Love others as Christ has loved you. All right, rounding out our freedom, 
Here's what Galatians chapter 5 says. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Use your freedom. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we've been given freedom. And I'm going to ask you, how will you use your freedom for the kingdom? Will you use it to be a minister of reconciliation? To be an ambassador for his kingdom? Or are you just going to keep doing your own thing? Missing the mark? Planning your own plans? Or are you going to live the plan that God has for your life? Because God's plan for your life is so much bigger and better than any plan than you have for your life. Amen? Why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, this morning, thank you for the freedom that you've poured out upon us, that you've pulled us from, those, from that miry clay that we were so stuck into, trying to mold ourselves and make ourselves but you've pulled us out of that clay. And you're molding us and making us into what you would desire us to be for your kingdom, not for our kingdom. Every kingdom of man will fall, but the kingdom of God is from everlasting to everlasting. Will you give us the words to say to our friends as we tell our story? Will you give us the strength to serve others? Will you give us the words to say when we boast about you in our life? And will you pour into us so much love that it overflows our hearts? And that love that you've poured into us, we can pour into others, into a world that needs to hear about your love. They don't understand what you did when you moved heaven and earth to reconcile a wayward people to yourself. We could not reconcile ourselves to you, Heavenly Father. But you did all the work for us. We just have to accept the terms of that rec reconciliation so that we can live the life that you would desire us with a godly desire to live in you. Father God, as we go, give us the strength to do the things that you have called us to do. Those things that you've put deep down inside of us that we know that you've called us to accomplish. Give us the strength to do those. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. Have a great, great rest of your week. Keep our youth group in prayer as they're gone, uh, the 11th to the 15th, so that God will move mightily in their life and speak into their hearts this week, amen? Keep them in your prayers.